So do we want to do any sort of a special opening? Uh, just do your normal one. I, I might, I might, I might play. <laughs> I might play. Just, let's just see what happens, you know? If I play, I play. I'll let the kids play, ref. <clears throat> Hello and welcome to another edition from Thoughts from Player One, the podcast where we take an in-depth look at one story or narrative-focused game and give our thoughts about it. As always, I'm Alex. I'm Duncan. And this week, <laughs> I was so ready. I was so ready. Son of a bitch. I was. <laughs> this motherfucker says, "Just do your normal intro, and I'll play." <laughs> I'm not ready to play yet. <laughs> You had me all psyched. <laughs> oh, man. And this week, <laughs> we took a look at The Hex. Um, the Hex is a game a comes out came out October 16th, 2018, developed by Daniel Mullins Games. Uh, famously, I believe his previous game was Pony Island, which is relatively popular. And you can pick it up on, uh, I believe, only on PC and Mac right now. Um, so, Duncan, before we talk about the hex, which we will get to a little bit later in this episode, it's Thanksgiving well, season, baby. Well, look over there! Well, look over there! There's some listeners coming our way! Okay, okay. This, is, looking, this is that Thanksgiving accent. They're, lo- <laughs> they're looking for a meal! A meal of video games! <gasps> Could it be that wonderful magical time of year? Now, I think it is. I think it's games giving. Gamers giving. <laughs> I thought we agreed on Thanksgiving. Oh, not bad. <laughs> games giving. Games giving. <laughs> you know, I always get those two messed up. See, games giving happens on November 23rd, and Thanksgiving happens on November 26th. So I got confused. That makes total sense. I, you know, it's the three and the six are very similar. Um, I'm, I'm happy that we're here to celebrate Thanksgiving, though. Gamesgiving, it's, it'll be over by the time listeners hear this one. Now the one on the 26th, that one's vile. That one's real <laughs> nasty, so I'm happy we're together on the 23rd. <laughs> um, so we, we, we come together, we get you the games, tell you what we're thankful for, and you can... You can tell us what games you're thankful for. It's a real wholesome holiday. I didn't I didn't catch your name, Kind Traveler. I'm Gameaboo Game Hold on. Okay. <laughs> Holding. You had to Okay. Hold on. Um <clears throat> Fuck, I had everything else ready. <laughs> <laughs> I could really tell. It sounded like you had crafted a a deep and engaging narrative. That's why I assumed you had the name fleshed out. Game and Gary. <laughs> I don't just took two G names. Well, Game and Gary, it's it's a pleasure to meet you. Why don't you tell us a little bit more about Thanksgiving and the traditions therein? Come on, man. <laughs> I got this far. <laughs> why are you trying to push me farther? <laughs> You know, I you said, said you had everything else planned out. <laughs> I was giving you 
not, I was giving you verbal signals that I said, I want off this train. I want out of this voice. I want out of this life. Rip my husk away from me. But you wouldn't do it. So now I'm stuck like this for the whole damn podcast. <laughs> so you want to know what we do in Thanksgiving, huh? Well, we go to our favorite Target store, we get those Steam gift cards, then we spend those on our favorite video games, and we pass the keys around, the Steam keys, and for whatever game you don't have, you redeem it. If you have it, you pass it on. It's very favorable for the first one, getting the keys. <laughs> don't know why we do it, but that's how it is. <laughs> But before we do any of those mem festivities, we go around the table and talk about our favorite games. Oh, that's great. Thanks so much, Gamer Gary. For. Yep, no uh, problem. Why don't we do that now? Yeah, uh, famously, Gamer Gary, you're, you're the, the specter that appears to explain Thanksgiving and then leaves before <laughs> the celebrations start, correct? Only when allowed to. That's what I've been <laughs> asking for. May I leave? They, I, you are excused, Gamer Gary. <laughs> Thank you! Good lord. Holy shit, I'm crying. <laughs> I'm sweating. Gaming <laughs> <laughs> Gary puts a lot of fucking emphasis and he uses his hands a lot. Good yeah. Christ. Weird for a podcast character. <laughs> yeah. He doesn't need to use his hands so much. Um, oh. So yeah, let's, let's partake in the tradition. I want to go, each one of us, just kind of talk about what games we're thankful for this year. So, uh, what, what, how are you feeling since I've been talking to... I mean, my vo vocal cords have been used. Yeah, fi famously, Game and Gary steals your vocal cords and projects through them. Um, yeah, so, I, I, you know, I've been very thankful for games this year. I think there's been, uh, been, been playing a lot of good ones, and I think it's... Uh, you know, we we do a lot. We do a lot on this podcast. We talk about games. We talk about games we like. I just, you know, let's take a, one day, one day of the year to celebrate games that we're playing, uh, and then we'll get into some longer form talk about one specific game that we said we would do. But I think it's a good idea to just kind of go back and forth and, and and talk about games we're we're enjoying or we're thankful for right this very minute. Yeah. Yeah. So I'll start. Tell me. Um, I'm gonna. I'm gonna let you take maybe the more obvious one whether or not you feel that way but i'm going to say i'm very thankful for bloodborne right this very minute which is again i i've said this i've beaten a dead horse i've talked about it a lot on the podcast but every single one of these um soulsborne games i play at the exact same time as my brother and we're on some sort of a voice chat or something like that uh and we just you know play through it kind of side by side and enjoy the experience together and, and get the most out of it and been doing that a lot this last Pretty much only this last week or so, but I think that is uh it's just such a marvelous experience and it is such a deeply and grotesquely gross game. Uh and I think that's just been a lot of fun to to experience uh and, and kind of go through. I think I burned like literally I played it for like seven hours straight on Saturday and it's been a very, very long time since I've done that with the video game. So it's been a it's been a really a really good time and I'm very thankful for that experience. You know, <clears throat> I've played Bloodborne and I've played Dark Souls, and when, like, sometimes Bloodborne will be re-described to me as, like, it's like the scarier, more horrifying Dark Souls. And then I think about the shit in Dark Souls, I say, how? <laughs> <'Cause> some <laughs> of the stuff in Dark Souls is still pretty gnarly. 
Um, That's true, but I noticed this after like 15 hours with the game. There's a headstone, and the headstones you like used to teleport in the starting area in Bloodborne that is cracked in half. And I just looked at it for the first time at the end of the day, like last time I was playing, and I was like, that headstone has connective tissue joining the two halves this is fucking gross that is the that is person innards in between the two parts of that headstone yeah and and i like i i only got to the first three or four bosses of that game of bloodborne Mm -hmm. i really like the theming around it but that that one wolf boss like the the little girl that turns into a wolf is so Mm. fucking cool yeah the music for that scene is awesome but yeah i want to get into that game again I would love for you to get into that game again. Um, I will take the gaming stick. Thank you. Here you go. Um, um, so Weird noise. That gaming stick was very stuck to me. I apologize about that. <laughs> I didn't expect it. It's just connected via bubblegum, but it's, it's yours now. Can I eat it? Okay. I um, wouldn't recommend yeah, it. Yep, 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 yep. COVID got it. Oh, shit. No. <laughs> you said no. <laughs> God damn it. I had one rule. Um, I'm thankful for a game that I've also been spending a lot of time with with a loved one, and that is World of Warcraft. Woo! Shadowlands coming out tonight, actually. Is um, it really? Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. I'm not going to play it because the servers are going to be busted. Mm-hmm. But um, me and my significant other have been playing World of Warcraft together. Um, it is a game that I have a ton of history with. I've been, not ton, because people have a lot more. But like, <laughs> I've been playing since the third or second, like second slash third expansion. The fourth one is when I really got into it, and I think we're on the seventh one now. Uh, Good so, lord, there's so many expansions for that game. There's a ton, uh, and they recently did a thing where, which is what I'm very thankful for, where they crunched the leveling down so it's like 60% faster, and they just squished the numbers. So hmm. you can decide to like, because before what you did was you played through classic, then you played through the second expansion, then the third one, then the fourth one, which mm-hmm. you would just only spend like an hour in each expansion, so you didn't really get the full thing. So what they oh, did gotcha. is they made it so you time travel to that locate like to that expansion and huh. then play it and then you're caught up so it's like one to 50 you can decide to play whatever expansion you want and like relive those days and That's i mean kind of cool yeah and the system's not the same as it was but like it's better than anything else and the mm-hmm. leveling so much faster but uh, anyways aside from that it's just been nice like this weekend we we got like because we, we're in different rooms, so we got a card table out into the living room and just, like, set um, uh, set her setup in in the same room. So we're, like, playing in the same room just because it felt right. And, like, it's just a nice, grand old time. And I'm thankful for just watching numbers go up and just doing <laughs> dumb fucking quests and, like, experiencing lore that I don't fully understand, even though I've been playing the game for a long time. <laughs> so, no, it's it's been fun. That sounds that sounds really nice. I I think that is like the ideal way to play any MMO. Yeah. Yeah, it's just with someone, <laughs> not alone. <laughs> with somebody and like, you know, just kind of going through it at a leisurely pace and enjoying it and like, you know, experiencing all of the cool stuff that's happened throughout the years and not doing the part that's maybe just like an endless grind at the end of the game. Stuff like that. Yeah, I'm already seeing like posts of for Shadowlands to be like how to beat Shadowlands in four hours. It's like what? fuck Why? me. 
<laughs> that's, that's, you're paying $40 for that. And, you know, there's more content in the future, but, like, goddamn. Yeah, Anyways, but still. That's what I'm thankful for. That's good. Uh, and then I want to propose one more thing that we could both be thankful for, which is Danganronpa Trigger Happy Holy Havoc. Holy smokes. Um, which is the new game that we are streaming on Twitch. So if you are interested, we um, will usually blast out when we're going to stream on the Twitter, so you can follow us there. Uh, and also all of our episodes will be uploaded to our YouTube channel uh, afterwards. But it's been it's been a fun ride. I think we've done about five hours or so of it. Um, five hours of it streaming time, which means probably only about two hours if you play the game normally. But uh, it's been it's been a wild ride and so much fun to voice all the characters and make dumb jokes and point out the the wild shit and do an incredible amount of making a joke that the characters will then just make in the very next line if we just bothered <laughs> to click forward. Uh, it's been it's been a blast so far. Yeah, I've I've really been enjoying this game. I'm excited to see where it goes and and everything like that. And streaming it has been an absolute blast. So it's not that hard of a story to pick up either. So if you see us go live and you're like. What's going on? We can explain it to you in like five seconds. Yeah, um, you may have just, many questions, but it's easy. Yeah, yeah. So uh, you know, follow us on Twitch, and then you can get notifications when we go live, and you can uh, you can follow along. It's been very fun streams. The hex, the hex. Well, hold on, Duncan. Oh man, do we want to get we uh, look? We participated in the festivities of Thanksgiving. We just need to, we need to be closed out by our good friend Game and Gary one more time to let us know that it was a good thanks game. Did you bring the did you bring the 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 controllers and the Doritos and the Red Bull to like form in the in the hex symbol? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I got okay. my Mountain Dew code red on the top right. Uh-huh. It's good to go. And you're drawing it with um what's like a gaming chalk? Mm, a gaming chalk interesting <laughs> yeah good question how long can i drag this out <laughs> i don't know it's hard to say you know hey maybe maybe gaming gary's not here with us anymore maybe oh nope <laughs> <laughs> nope sorry just had to burp my bad <laughs> Oh, maybe that was Game and Gary. Sometimes he appears in mysterious ways. I, I put in a Postmates to get some gaming chalk, and we'll see if it gets here in time. And if it does, then Game and Gary can revisit. You have no idea. This entire episode, I'm going to be like, what is gaming chalk? What would gaming chalk be in the back of my mind? So if I don't have as insightful things to say, that's why. It's because 45% of my brain power is trying to figure out gaming chalk. It's a dope excuse. It's <clears throat> great. All right. The Hex. The Hex. Tell me about wh- how much is the Hex? What is it? What does it do? Yes. Um, so, What's briefly. Uh, so, it's for PC. I think I said that up top. Um, I don't actually know how much it is, so I will look that up and insert it in here in just a few moments. Um, but it is, it's $10 on Steam. I just looked it up right now. So, the Hex, uh, like we said, new game by Daniel Mullins Games. The setup is basically um, you play um, a kind of a variety of different video game characters meeting together at this bar uh, where the bartender announces that there's going to be, a, a, that somebody has been murdered and that you are going to need to kind of figure it out. And the way you do that is by going through these, uh, I believe there's six different gaming characters, uh, and you go through their past in the the games they were a part of uh, and and kind of play through what are essentially like long mini games that have their own little story and those stories all kind of join together in an interesting way so you maybe play like a platformer for a while and a like a turn-based strategy game for a while and a fighting game for a while Uh, and all of these different disparate parts kind of come together to 
tell this larger story. Um, and and I, I don't want to give too much away before we get into the spoiler part. But, you know, I think, um, Duncan, you had said kind of look at it a little bit like Wreck-It Ralph. I think it, it's maybe doing a little bit more than Wreck-It Ralph. I think there are some parts where it kind of touches on some more interesting concepts. But that's the sort of general gist of the game overall. Um, so yeah. before we get into spoilers, do we want to talk a little bit about how we felt about this game overall? Yeah, sure. I can start. Uh, so. The, I, I you led me nicely into that like it yeah you, I had mentioned it was like Wreck-It Ralph but you think it's a little bit more and I definitely agree with that I think it's you know if I'm just saying to generalize it as Wreck-It Ralph I, I I don't mean to generalize it that way to make it be like it's just like a dumb kids movie but it's more <laughs> Wreck-It ex- Ralph was good I liked Wreck-It Ralph it was all right but yeah yeah the first one I didn't see the second one okay uh okay yeah uh-huh. uh-huh yeah we all believe you alex um, <laughs> um i mean to like simplify it in a way that is it is more about it feels to me more about what a video game character is life is like at a certain point if you were to say like okay these mcs like these main characters have you know thoughts and souls and you know they walk around mm. and move independently on their own throughout their game and like have to live out the actions carried by the player. So stuff like that is what it is similar to. I think it is a more it's a more modern take on that where it's not as focused on like arcade characters as it is, you know, focused on video game like home video game characters, but <laughs> as it is focused on like six very exact video games that it's parodying. Right. Yeah. And so aside from the, like I feel like when I walked into it and then seeing what it had to offer at the beginning, I think I was maybe hoping for something else a little bit. But mm-hmm. I think what they did with what they wanted to do, or at least what I perceive what they wanted to do, I think they did an like a perfectly respectable job. But there were a lot of points where I felt like I didn't know if I was necessarily in love with it yet, or I was still questioning, you yeah. know, if I thought it was gonna be good, and then. I just kind of felt like I went through it and I didn't feel too much special about it. But I will say there were, if you like a lot of fourth wall breaking stuff and if you like, like, if you really did like Pony Island, this is pretty good if you still liked Pony Island. Like, if that's your thing. So I never played Pony Island. Did you like this or that more? I liked Pony Island more. Okay. I think that's what I've generally heard. It felt a little bit more straightforward. This this was a little bit more all over the place as it is supposed to be. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, but I don't know. Uh, I think some of the messaging just got kind of lost for me. Um, and I was confused at what the goal of what they wanted to say was. Where I've, I'm so used to fourth wall games having sort of like this bigger message about the thing. And I just didn't mm-hmm. really get that with this one. Yeah, I, I think that's that's pretty fair. Uh, I, I... I agree with a lot of what you said. I think when this game is at its best, it's, you know, stringing together a narrative and like a, a really, you know, I, I don't even want to say like clever way, though I, I do think that the narrative design is pretty clever. I just think it's like, it's a lot of fun. It's throwing a lot of like fun twists at you that kind of keep you on your toes a little bit. Um, and I think it has, um, it like dips its toes into meditations on you know, like game development and the games industry in general, but it doesn't like, it doesn't, you know, sit with it long enough to like you said have anything to distinctly say it doesn't necessarily feel like um 
but I do, you know, I, I really enjoyed my time with it. I thought it was fun. I thought it was interesting. I don't, like, typically I'm not that interested in this type of um, narrative where it's like, ah, here are these, you know, characters from other medium and, like, other mediums, and they're all alive, and here's what they're like when they're not on your screen. Like, you know, so whenever they were like, oh, yeah, you're, like, from a fighting game, right? Like, that stuff didn't really work for me. Um, but I do think that the the way that they string it together, the way that they um, kind of resolved the story beats was a lot of fun and really interesting. So I ended up having a really good time with it. Um, I do think there are, there are, like, more secrets involved in the game that I have not fully you know, figured out there was kind of like one big secret that was like a huge project that, you know, people spent like six months after, you know, solving and putting code into a different place and all that fun stuff um, that, you know, gave you a little bit of an extra Easter egg that I think was kind of interesting. Um, but overall, uh, I, I think I agree. It was it was cool. I wanted it to maybe be a little more in sync with, with one particular thing it was trying to say, but Overall, still a still a good experience. Well worth ten dollars in like five hours of your time, right? It's not not a huge investment in in either direction. I, I think actually some of the little mini games they had were a lot of fun. So I think uh, overall, I, I I walked away from it pretty positively. But I have not played Pony Island, so this was kind of my first experience with uh, this this developer's types of games. Yeah, I'm also um, it felt like it felt like a scatter shotgun of good things where I never felt like it hit exactly like poignant in one place but it had a bunch of good little stuff you know and that's okay sometimes um i'm also not a huge fan of the graphical style to be honest i don't really like the characters or the way they look their heads are way too big and i just (laughs) i don't know it's just it's just not really my style like i can see how it's enjoyable and there are certain moments where it looks much better than others like the top-down stuff looks really nice with it, but we'll get more mm. into that as we talk a lot more. But I think it's less where I'm like, this is bad art, and more just saying it's not really my style. Yeah, I never found it off-putting, but I also never found it myself taken aback by it or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Mm. All right. Well, should we dive into spoilers? We shall. All I right. I see it on the horizon, just like America. Nope. <laughs> Okay. That's a sad right. one. I wanted to good, do like a Columbus try. Thanksgiving, I don't know. Ah, uh, I see what you're going it, for now. No that did not come through. It did not come through. <laughs> yeah. Um, Duncan, do you want to do you want to walk us through a little bit of this? I I think we should do a story summary for this game just to kind of um remind people who haven't played it especially because this game is uh, over 2 years old at this point. Um sure. and that if you want to listen along, we can give um you know a little of an idea, but it'll be a, a relatively quick one. Like I said, this the way the story comes together is way more interesting than what actually happens in the story so it it should be pretty quick to go through everything we open up on a spooky house inside is six video game characters and behind a bar is the bar tender um he is this older man in a wheelchair and he says that tonight someone will murder someone else and it's up to you to figure it out so basically how this game is framed there are six the six of those video game characters that i mentioned earlier you go through each of them um person by person and they are exploring the the house uh, along with their like rooms and other crevices of of this of this bar location and they all have a memory of their past game and sort of relive what brought them to the um six pint inn so starting 
um, kind of for the first one to the last one here. Uh, the first one is Weasel Kid. He is like a kids game, like Mario Sonic-y kind of uh, 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 character. Very peaceful, fun area, platforming. And as you go through his platforming, you notice like steam reviews for the game and it starts really positive but then it gets very negative and you know the game took a a, a more mature turn and that it took like to a bad remake turn and so you rewake as him um for bryce who is a former cooking game character who had been his his ip had been sold over to a fighting game instead uh so when he entered the fighting game he he um realized that within balancing that the more powerful you got the um the more likely it was that you would be banned from play because you were so busted and overpowered so his whole thing is trying to be as powerful as possible to um to to, to become banned so he no longer has to do his fighting game stuff um there's chandrell who is a um a wizard of, of, of a, like a fantasy game, like a top-down turn-based Final Fantasy thing. Uh, she is also very, very aware of, you know, her own game. Um, and as you play through, there is a live stream as this game's being, um, you know, like streamed on Twitch. And you can see like a chat that's moving through and it's criticizing the choices that you make of like being like, oh, yes, you took the, or take the extra health, take the extra health and things like that. Or or this is weird when your character is doing more like fourth wall breaking stuff. Uh, so she goes through and makes a deal with the with the main villain to bring the like power stones in the game to him instead of the temple and she does so and the main like demon villain brings chaos and doom to the game itself and the twitch chat is like um this is bad and dumb i don't know why you know the the villain would get all of the control uh so in that result another character named lazarus and you are assigned to um, different things. So Lazarus is uh, assigned to his game that we're going to get to later, and Chandrell is forced to live her life with the demon in her brain. The next game is like a Fallout 1 or 2 uh, turn-based strategy wasteland kind of thing, and the main character's name is Rust. Um, him and his uh, son, who I'm forgetting the name of right now, um, Rocky. Rocky, thank you. Move through this wasteland and, you know, they're trying to get a cache and just do Fallout stuff. But what we come to realize is that Rust's game is not complete. It is an early access. So... <clears throat> As you move through, you realize that there are mods installed in this that help you progress through the game because, you know, it either wasn't balanced or there was content missing. And these mods affects Rust's mental state because they're, you know, literally modifying him and the world around him constantly. Um, so you kind of witness his delve into madness as the as the content changes and his son gets taken away and put back in and um, just sort of becoming mentally tortured by that. Um Last but not least here is Lazarus. Um, Lazarus was that character we mentioned earlier from Chandrell's game. He is now a space marine in this top-down um, top shooting game, uh, like space marine, very intense sci-fi, guns, guns, guns. And yeah, it's nice. To, you got it. Nailed it. Got the tone perfect. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so... Um, 
you go through his whole thing, but his sort of uh, fourth wall gimmick here is that he is actually um, laying siege on the game uh, engine or game developer, or it's it's left pretty ambiguous uh, there to take it down temporarily or completely. So, uh, and, and, and in trying to also get this artifact. Um, I think that's about those characters. Do you want to take it from here? Yep, so I can talk about from after that point, right? So Lazarus's whole uh, whole shtick, he you know invades the GameWorks company headquarters and then manages to to secure this artifact um, and and release this other character. Um, so each one of those six characters' stories, I believe it was six, five or six character stories, ends usually um, and has kind of a, a few consistent characters. There's this kind of blue, kind of blue buff elf looking guy who is you know a representative of this gameworks company who is handling a lot of the the metagame narrative his name is irving he's he's pretty important for a lot of what's going on as he's kind of controlling the flow of it you also see um again this, this kind of creepy mime character named sato sado sado s-a-d-o i don't know exactly how you pronounce it though i think they say it in the game at one point um and that character is who lazarus ends up unleashing to you know freeing from her prison basically so that she can lay waste to the remaining people at the GameWorks headquarters. Um, and then you are also met by this kind of shrouded, you know, figure that's kind of like this small shrewd like figure um, that is giving you kind of advice to the, it, the characters playing through it, kind of hinting that there is maybe more going on than, than meets the eye here. Um, so then you, you take control after, you know, after Lazarus returns from his game, um, he returns to the 16 Pint Inn where Irving was, you know, at the, the inn looking for him. Um, Lazarus finds a gun, comes out and shoots Irving. Uh, and at which point the, you know, the, the old bartender in a wheelchair says that we've solved the murder. The person who was going to be murdered was Irving. And, you know, he was going to be murdered here by Lazarus with the gun. It's a game of Clue. We figured it out. Uh, and then from there, you play this other character that had been, you know, you, you've seen, but you've never um, actually played before, and it's very clearly a first-person character. The only thing that was modeled for him was hands and feet. Um, so he goes out to a shed in the, you know, outside of the 16 Pint Inn where you begin the last game called Walk, and Walk is essentially a, um, you know, it's a walking simulator-type game with developer commentary from, I believe, Lionel Snell is the developer's name, who is the person who created all of the games that these previous characters were starring in, using, assumingly, the GameWorks engine. Um, which is where Irving is from. So he he talks about his life as a developer, um, kind of going through these, talking about the success of Super Weasel Kid and then how the pressure of that, you know, kind of pushed him to sell it and, and form a large game studio where he then bought the rights to Bryce from his favorite cooking game so that he could make this, like, competitive fighting game, um, brought in one of his friends who uh, had them make Chandrell and she worked on Sato because they wanted more female characters in the game. Um, there was kind of a little conflict between uh, the the developer and his friend, who I believe her name was Carla. Um, so then after that fighting game, you know, launches, Lionel hates the community and doesn't want to do anything with the fighting game anymore. So he goes and, and puts a, a whole bunch of money into Chandrell's game, which I forget the name of every time something of legendaria legendaria tales of legendary yeah Yeah, something like that um and that game as we see kind of crashes and burns and doesn't do well um causing lionel to 
basically be out of money, so he steals a bunch of money from the pension fund from all of his employees and moves somewhere into the American South, uh, and then, you know, stays there for a while trying to work on this other game, um, which would have been Rust's game, but it's just completely, you know, going through bouts of depression and struggling to to be able to like actively do anything and finish it so he's not able to to kind of complete this project um and then you know fast forward from there a little bit uh and you know this this mole character shows up and basically you know talks talks to you about the fact that lionel is going through a lot of stuff um as evidenced by the fact that he is actively and aggressively in the last scene where we hear him talking going after the modding community saying that he was going to you know essentially hire lawyers and sue the crap out of them um and then we get a scene where he you know this this mole character teleports us to the the last scene in this game which is you walking down a hallway as lionel talks about um you know well first is like a little short mini game where you're you know playing through this um first-person version of the Space Marine game, and then Lionel talks, you know, you begin walking towards an award ceremony as he talks about how this game is going to win all sorts of awards, and, you know, yada, 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 um, and then you are given the option to kind of walk through a white door at the end, which would be ostensibly the end of the game that you're playing with the developer commentary, and actually is the end of the game if you choose to do that, um, but this mysterious cloaked figure, you know, has you walk kind of through a railing that's not actually there, um, down a path where eventually you you see a computer and are are given the information that um, Super Weasel Kid was not the first game that Lionel Snell made. The first game he made was kind of a tapper knockoff game. Um, so it just had you know a bartender who you you recognize as the bartender from the sixteen pint inn or the the six pint inn. I don't remember which one it is. Um, and you know he plays this game and then eventually you you come to see that you know. Lionel thought it would be better maybe if his game, you know, the first game that he made was the super successful Super Weasel Kid. So he had Irving delete that game, which we are, you know, the way that it happens in the game is that Irving goes in, tells the bartender that, hey, your game's done. You get to leave now. Like, you have to go. And then when the bartender refuses, we're treated to Irving beating the shit out of and permanently breaking the bartender's legs, um, which is why the bartender character that we know is now in a wheelchair. Uh, and then as that scene kind of fades out to the sound of legs crunching over and over again, which is fucking horrific, uh, we you see all of the characters that you had previously seen standing in a semicircle around a glowing object, um, kind of committing themselves to the idea of doing a murder, basically. Um, so they all put their hands on there. You know, the, the bartender character says you know, some weird runes that obviously I don't know how were pronounced uh, and then everyone raises their hand and looks at you to raise your hand and you physically with the mouse move your your mouse cursor up to like complete this ritual and as you complete that ritual what we see then is a kind of FMV version of what is you know assumingly Lionel Snell sitting at his computer trying to code something and then an arm busts out of the computer screen grabs Lionel by the neck and smashes his face onto the desk until he dies uh, and then roll credit so that is uh that is the hex that is kind of the and you know you you get like you know a stinger at the end that has you know, just the developer laying face down and then the Sato character who's been kind of all over the place creeping up behind him, um, which, again, is neat, and they do some cool stuff like that, but it doesn't amount to anything. So it's kind of, like, not really worth spending much time talking about. Yeah. So uh, Except for the fact that it doesn't amount to anything, and that's kind of disappointing. Right. Yeah, I, I kind of wanted to bring that up. I was, like, one of my top disappointments where I felt like the the Sato, all of the antagonists that were not the developer did not feel like i guess 
I guess Irving felt pretty fleshed out. I guess it's just Sato that felt very, like, I get that they were supposed to be the the anomaly, the corruption, like, the the part of the game that, you know, didn't exactly work. But I find it weird that, so, Sato was made by, uh, I forgot her name. Her name starts with a C. She was mentioned, like, Carla, once. Carla, say. yes, you're right. Was was made by Carla, but he, he has these comments throughout it where, you know, in the development walkthrough, being like, I never liked that character. Sometimes I felt like they were watching me or something along those lines or like that they might have be real or uh, some some sort of very like base creepypasta, like video game creepypasta kind of comments. And that just really lost me a lot. I I, I don't know. Mm. I, that kind of that kind of stuff I like, but it has to be done a little bit more cleverly. I think the end of this game felt more like a creepypasta that I just didn't really enjoy. I think the end kind of ruined it for me. Like, I think without the end, I would have... End, end, I mean. Like, the actual walkthrough of them revealing the, the game developer's life is fine. But, like, them, you know, putting the hex together in these video game characters, reaching out from the screen and killing the player, just didn't feel very, like clever in any way and it just made me kind of feel i don't know i just felt like there were other parts of this game that had something very general to say about you know modding and reviews and you know uh things like that but it didn't really have anything to say about like games that have been left over or forgotten other than they could come back to kill you, which <laughs> I don't really know what that means. Like, I don't know what they're trying to say there. Yeah. I mean, I, maybe there's more that I'm not picking up on. Um, but I just kind of read that as a fun ending. I didn't, I didn't read that as like a deep meditation on any particular thing rather than just like, it's this kind of like a wild and crazy kind of fun way to tie all these stories together and to like, you know, give you uh, a, a satisfying reason for all of these people to be working towards one thing. Uh, yeah. And also just, again, just like, hey, this shit's wild and weird. Isn't it kind of cool? And and it, taking it at that level, I enjoyed it. Uh, but I do agree that it felt a little weird coming from the developer commentary section where it really did feel like they were trying to break down development issues and it really felt like they were trying to break down games industry problems briefly through the you know the eyes of this like developer who's kind of a shitty person um but then they kind of flipped that at the very end and were like you said just like ah these games can also kill you through cult magic uh, and i'm which fine with that like i'm totally fine but i'm saying like if you're gonna go that direction push it a little bit more like i kind of felt like the hand reaching out from the screen was like like, I guess that's kind of pushing it because that's like old like Nintendo commercials where the game characters would come out of the TV kind of thing. And I think that's a okay manifestation of it. But I felt like it definitely could have gotten pretty weird or something along those lines or they could have pushed it a little bit more. But that's the, I, I know it sounds like it's a big deal, but it's pretty nitpicky. 
I also, I just, I love the idea that you're like, I just get weird with it already. This <laughs> occult magic that these abandoned video game characters are doing to allow them to murder the real life developer is not weird enough. Listen, after you play so many of these games, you just build a tolerance. That is, you're totally right. I think I just have a fucked up tolerance to this kind of stuff where I'm like, man, you know, I've, I've. I've gone through too many haunted video games to to feel like <laughs> to feel like a character reaching his hand out and slamming the developer's head against the desk isn't weird enough for me. Yeah, um, that's you know, and hey. that's a problem. You know, that's like creative creep or like weird creep. Um, I guess yeah, weird creep's not. I understand what you mean, but it's, there's got to be a better phrase for it. Yeah, um, um, fourth wall breaking creep. Yes, I think that's fair. And I part of the reason that I was drawn to this game and I and I maybe wanted to do uh some stuff with it is that I I heard people describe it as like, you know, the year it came out, so 2018. They're like, "Oh, it's it's this is like 2018's Undertale and the way that it does in place with these sort of ideas and things like that." And I understand where you would draw that comparison. I understand kind of how you get there in terms of, you know, it it kind of having, you know, a lot of meta commentary and it, it having these characters who are cognizant of the world that they exist in. But I really do think that's kind of a, that comparison does this game a disservice because I think Undertale is so cohesive in all of its uh, different components trying to push towards these central themes that like, yeah, there's a lot of like weird, cool fourth wall breaking stuff. And they like, the game is, is kind of reactive and aware of a lot of what you're doing. Um, but this sort of a game, like I, I think, I think if you just come into it expecting like, not having your expectations set that high and just expecting like, hey, I want kind of like a weird and cool thing that'll maybe make me think about a little bit of stuff, but it's just going to be a fun ride. I think this game is great, but I think if you come in here expecting something like when people say, you know, this is, you know, X Undertale, it, it's, it, it's, you're not going to get that out of this game overall, um, which again, it's fine, but I, expectation setting was was not done correctly for me when I went into this game at least. Yeah, me either. And and to um to to sort of switch topics but also talk about something similar to that is I think it had a lot of potential to be a little bit more like that if they wanted to, but also mm. man, I don't really like any of these characters. <laughs> like I like the <laughs> I like the settings. I liked like some of the writing was kind of funny at times, especially when the game characters would talk to, to each other sometimes or like, you know, in their own like I really like all of the um, the the stuff with Super Weasel Kid and like his tutorial yeah. shrew or whatever. Uh, I like that stuff was kind of funny. Uh, Which is but- his tutorial shrew is definitely the like weird caped figure that goes around addressing things. Right, that feels like that's definitely it. Definitely, one hundred percent. Yeah, okay. he, like, I, I do know there is a, an achievement for like figuring out Mister Shrew's like real fate or whatever, uh, but I did not uh, get it or look it up. So I'm I'm assuming that's what it is, but I don't know for sure. Yeah, that would be my guess. Um, um, he also like is like melded with a mushroom character, so you would assume that something horrible happened where you're like explaining like, oh, I like used this guy's code and dragged him over to a different game or something like that. But yeah, um. Anyways, I just think that all of these characters are just kind of, like, un- very unlikable. And I don't know if you felt like that. And if you do or didn't, I kind of want to discuss. Like, because you spend a lot of time with the actual characters, and it's about video game characters. So, I don't know. What did, what did you think about these yeah. people? 
I, I maybe didn't have the reservations that you did. Um, I think they're like none of the characters are particularly deep. Uh, and they don't have like a ton of character development going on at any particular moment. Um, I I did like Super Weasel Kid a lot. Like Super Weasel Kid's just fun, um, and I think he has like some kind of fun dialogue and, and and changes throughout the game. And I like that you're just playing like a what really just seems like a super old, beat up, hungover version of a popular kids platformer. I think that's kind of like a fun trope to play around in a little bit, and I think they do a good job with it. But overall, none of the characters left a particularly strong impression on me, but I don't really know that they were supposed to. Um, I think they were just supposed to be vehicles to tell um, this sort of story about these particular characters, right? I don't think any of them were designed to have a really strong personality. Uh, Hmm. And I, I think that's, you know, you can take or leave that. Some people are really going to be averse because of that. Some people are going to be totally fine with it. Um, I, I think it, it would have been nicer if they were maybe a little bit more fun to spend some time with. But they also weren't really supposed to be fun, right? A lot of them were just angry or deceived or or just completely checked out or, or you know, what have you. So I, yeah, that I didn't think bother it's the, me. I think it's, as you were listing those feelings off, I think it's the checked outness where it's like, if the character that is constantly talking and I'm interacting with is just like checked out from the game, I just I don't know. It's it's hard to like have fun. Like I think Chandrel and and Lazarus were both like where I felt it the strongest. They, they sucked. Both of them sucked. Yeah. yeah, I had a really hard time just like reading some that were like, uh, let's just get through this game. And like some of the enemy characters in the the turn based RPG game were were kind of funny and instead of like interacting with them in a way that made me feel like you know they could work off each other or bounce off each other a little bit they just kind of told them to shut up and yeah. i don't know it just didn't it didn't really work for me but i get why they're like that you know what i it's mean like a little yeah a little little edgy a little checked out and edgy yeah i get that i would say on the contrast though i think rust's character was actually pretty well done in in terms of you know starting with kind of a fatherly hardened trope and then just slowly throughout the course of mods being introduced deteriorating to the point where he's not really able to to recognize where or or who he is anymore i think i i felt a little bit of attachment to his character throughout the entirety of the story i think yeah actually i would say that gorn weasel kid the first three gorn weasel kid and um uh bryce are probably the three most like enjoyable characters to like listen to and talk to which is you know like two out of the three three out of two characters that you do play maybe yeah. i just have a big problem with uh with lazarus and uh chandrell but that's those are the characters i feel like you spend the most time with anyways yeah maybe um, chandrell walks in and kills the cute tutorial character and i immediately wrote her off on my shit list yeah, that's <laughs> yeah. possible who knows yeah, who knows she, who could say guys she killed a fucking moogle like how <laughs> how can you you know what i mean how can you yeah. um I, I do love that all of these games are legitimately just, like, you know, store-brand versions of actual games that are out there and popular, right? You've just got, like, store-brand Final Fantasy and store-brand Fallout. It, it's 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 fun. I like that, that aspect of it a lot. I especially liked, um, and I think the one that maybe got the closest to having something interesting to say um, in its entirety was Rust's, where it's, hey... You know, here's this this Fallout universe that's not complete and kind of what is the nature of modding and what is the nature of kind of player-created content and everything like that. I, I think 
them getting pretty close to having something interesting to say there was, was pretty cool. Um, I kind of lost my train of thought in the middle of that one, so well, I just found an ending to the sentence. Well, I think what's what's what I liked about that story is actually how it ended with him, because he was the Lionel Lionel, right? Yeah. No, yeah, the developer's Lionel, right? Um, Lionel was clearly like extremely bitter by, by after yes. the fighting game. Like he's like, you know, what's the worst thing about player like gamers is they're so fucking annoying with balancing. This character's too good. This character's too bad. Which like. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, you mm-hmm. know, I, his frustrations are understood, but also he was kind of a, a cocky asshole with a lot of things. But anyways, yes. I, he, after all of that, those issues, he was clearly super bitter. And I think that, you know, the whole like, you know what? Fuck these modders in particular. They clearly love my game, but they're doing the work that I can't do. Because like, mm-hmm. he had such a problem finishing the game, but there are all these people who want to play his game that are finishing it for him. And whether it be, you know, they are ruining the game financially because they are are making the game, you know, and not getting that cash or whatever, or he is just spiteful about people doing his job. I think that makes for like, that kind of wraps up Rust's character in a good way where it's like Rust is the child and just like between the modders and the developers just like being torn both ways. And it like, ruins his mental state yeah and they also do kind of an interesting switch and in, in when they first introduce that whole game it seems like they're really having a uh, distinctly negative thing to say about modding communities in general being like oh they just don't know what the fuck they're doing they just put stuff into the game that doesn't make any sense because they don't have any sense of like the the vibe of what a game is and and the high level development processes needed to to make something that fits into that world um and then you know at the end kind of reveal that like oh yeah the developer wasn't doing fucking anything and is being just bitter about all of this um i also think it's funny because like one of the things they harp on is like there's aliens in this post-apocalyptic wasteland it doesn't make any (laughs) sense at all and also like it's kind of a wink wink nudge nudge that there was an entire like bethesda developed expansion for fallout about aliens coming to the wasteland um so i think that's all that's all kind of fun uh in of itself but i i think that one that one was interesting um i think it's interesting because it kind of gets to a um i don't know a, a personal feeling i have which is like hey modding communities are awesome they expand the longevity of games they can help with like games that are not you know that were abandoned by their developers without being, you know, completed or still having massive bug issues or things like that. Um, but there's also like enlarging modding communities. It's very easy to tell that there are modders that do not have a good grasp on, you know, necessarily what people want or necessarily what makes a good game. You know, you can find things that are just like, hey, this, you just did a you know, you did a cool thing, which, you know, props to you for that. You did something that I could never do, but clearly you thought this was going to make the game better and it just made it a lot less interesting to play. Uh, And I think there's an interesting kind of dynamic there between realizing the reality that is a lot of mods are not actually good in any given way because a lot of times it is just amateur developers, like, you know, people who have aspirations to be developers that are like, you know, testing out the waters and doing their own thing, which again is totally fine. Um, so recognizing that, but then also recognizing that modding communities in general have done an enormous amount for a lot of different games. And there are some games that like, you know, you look at like Skyrim and Fallout for examples, those games are 
frequently significantly better with mods because oftentimes, you know, a game's been out for a year and then a huge patch isn't going to come out to change its core mechanics, but there's enough people that have played the game enough to go, oh, this UI is really bad. Let's design our cleaner version of it. Oh, this game crashes a lot. Let's fix those. Oh, we can just add a bunch of different weapons to play with variables in a way that makes it really interesting. So there is kind of like a push and pull there, and I think it's it's interesting when a game kind of tries to tackle that that whole existence of the modding community because it's something that is so frequently just ignored in game development worlds because it's not that it's taboo to talk about it's just something that your your game doesn't meditate on modding communities because you are finishing your game you're not building a game to be modded you know right and and there are some games that have that in mind during development and stuff like that but you know that's a entirely different story but yeah Mm -hmm. i think rust's story probably out of the the insular like little packages i think it shines the the greatest out of all of them being like this is a this is good at both having a little bit of commentary on the games industry and um you know and um having a cool like what a video game character was real kind of thing uh, yeah. so i quite liked that one um out of well i was gonna ask out of the six which one was your favorite to play but i don't know i feel like that's kind of I mean, it's Super Weasel Kid all day, baby. Yeah, Super Love Weasel me some Super Weasel Kid. Kid. Um, I want to ask you about kind of how you feel about this style of fourth wall breaking when it comes to, you know, talking about meta narrative and stuff like that. And I think a lot of the games that we like that tackle meta narrative hide it, like hide it very, very like hard and make sure that they don't show you till the very end or like towards the third act or something like that Mm -hmm. and this game does not do that it's out the gate like we're right here these are video game characters come hang out with us um what do you think that does in comparison to the ones that that sort of hide it like i i kind of wonder why there aren't i can't think of at least more that tackle it like this where it's like this is a game about fourth wall stuff here it all is Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think... So I think part of the reason that more games don't do it, and this is part of the reason that I don't tend to like this type of media that much. Um, again, I, I I like this game more than I tend to like this type of media. Um, is that it makes it really hard to, I think, connect with these characters because there's kind of an inherent... Like, you, you don't meet the game halfway anymore, or you don't meet, you know, the game or the movie or, or what have you, right? You're already bought into this idea of the meta narrative, which, for me, at least, I, this is not true for everybody, but for me, puts a little distance between me and the actual narrative. Um, I was going to use examples from games that we've played previously on this podcast, but I don't want to give spoilers for any of them. So I'll just right. say that, like, you know, when when a character, and specifically in a game, is like, oh, I, I'm so aware of everything that's going on behind me, I think it's very hard to then make that character relatable and interesting or, or you know, easy to empathize with in a way that I connect with that. So I inherently only really am interested in what's going on with this weird meta narrative, right? And And the Hex kind of delivers on that and kind of doesn't but it, it it 
puts a lot of focus on that. And I think it, that kind of gets to the idea that, that you were saying earlier that like you just you didn't connect with a lot of these characters. You didn't find them interesting or fun to spend a lot of time with um, for, for the majority of them. And I think part of that is that if you're doing this meta narrative thing, you're not spending time doing character building. You're not spending time you know, examining how these characters are reacting to their environment because they're not really reacting to their environment. They're reacting to the idea that they are in this meta environment. Uh, and and it, it's just become so much more difficult to to empathize with these characters, I think. So I, I don't tend to like it for that reason. Would yeah. be would be my, And then also sometimes it's just like, okay, frequently it's just kind of cringy and bad. <laughs> like, that is the other part is a lot of times the writing is just like, and, and then video games did this, and then, oh, but he he's in a first-person shooter, but he's, he doesn't want it, and it's just, you know... It, it ends up sucking a lot of the time. Um, that was not the case with almost any game we've played that has that that sort of meta narrative. So I didn't want to harp on that too much. Sure. But I don't know how to how do you like? Is this a type of narrative that you tend to be interested in? Is, did any of that resonate with you? I think that it does work for me because Pony Island has a lot of that. But I think the 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 thing with with the hex was I felt like I didn't know what was going on. And then I understood what was going on pretty fast. And then they never zagged on me again. Like it felt like I was along for the ride and I knew exactly where it was going. Not to say that like I knew where the story was going, but I had like very basic guesses. And I went, ah, I, you know, it's not going to be like that. But then it kind of just was. Um, mm-hmm. So I think something that could have worked for this game. And again, I might be extremely wrong. Um, I'm not a writer in any way, but we've been looking at these games for a long time. So I think that I at least have somewhat of a small idea or an inkling of what does and doesn't work is I think more things that the player care, like the <laughs> player characters don't know the, the, the main <laughs> characters don't know, um, that we know would have helped a lot where it's like, or like mm-hmm. more mystery into that, I think would have helped like, you know, this artifact, like, I, I wish they would have hyped up this artifact a little bit or maybe, you know, question more about it. But I think the way that this universe works is also very confusing. Like the world building in this is so bananas, but nothing ever gets like fully explained. And that's okay. Like it doesn't have to be fully, fully explained, but you know, in context of game development, who is the blue elf? Like, what does that even mean? Like, is he the, like, paperclip? Like, the word <laughs> paperclip? Because that's kind of how he's presented. It's like, yeah, he's like, Clip, he's like, I'm here to assist you in your game development needs when you're watching the commentator. But then is the game assistant, like, bullying these games around and mm-hmm. telling them where to go? I mean, I don't know. It just, like, I get that it's probably Lionel's, like, you know, bot, like, you know, clicking and dragging a folder, or like deleting files, and then Lionel does the thing. But, you know, when they when they attack the game, is it the game engine not working? Like, what is... There's too many universal questions that maybe they answer through secrets, but it wasn't given to me in my playthrough of it, and I'm not really... I'm not going to hunt for those secrets because you're not giving me a reason to. So the yeah. universe just didn't pull me in and i think that more work around that could have done it did it for me and again maybe that's not what they wanted to do and that's perfectly fine but it won't make a game that's as enjoyable for me 
Yeah, I think that's that's reasonable. Also, when you were talking through all of that, uh, it made me realize how Im- like how effective it, and important this is a total tangent. How important it is when you're doing things like this to have a like a vocabulary that can accurately describe what you're talking about. Because you were talking about like, oh, I think it would be more helpful if like there were things that the characters didn't know that we knew as like the player and the audience. Uh, and I was like, I'm pretty sure there's a word for that, and there is, and it's dramatic irony, and I should have fucking known that because I spent like Damn. a week learning about that in high school. But yeah, you're asking for more dramatic irony in the games, which I agree with. I think that is like super helpful, but that was one of those things where I was like, ah, there's an easier way to describe this, but I don't know what it <laughs> is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Ugh. Anyway, um, so we, we've talked a lot about kind of I, – I feel like we have been negative – um, at least in tone, I think we've tried to couch it because I think we both kind of enjoyed this game at least. Um, but you know, we're, we're criticizing a lot of the things that the game, you know, did that didn't necessarily work for us. Um, because I think it's easier to talk about those things. Um, but something that I really enjoy about games like this, and I don't know if this worked for you and, and I, I won't say this worked perfectly for me because, like you said, there's a lot of secrets in the game, and you you weren't that interested in in going out to find them. And I felt the same way. I I also was not that interested in going to find these secrets because I didn't want to put in the time. But I love when games do that when there is like more that you can get at a narrative level by uncovering and and spending time with the game and trying to like tease apart different things or clues that they give you. Um, so you know, in this game specifically. Like I said, there are achievements for things that would be narratively important that I just didn't see throughout the game, right? There's, there are vending machines that give you things that I think probably lead you to a larger puzzle. Um, the puzzle, I, I guess we didn't explain it during the um, uh, story summary, but I'll explain that now just very briefly. Uh, so if you don't want to hear about this, maybe skip ahead for like a minute. This is kind of like the, the big endgame thing. Um, so a bunch of people found out that there are uh, essentially a bunch of different like hints throughout this game, throughout these like different player games, uh, th- different games that you play through. Uh, and they were able to essentially, and I, I don't have the full story here, piece that together uh, and, and kind of put that into a file in the game. And then we're able to get some information out of it that directed these character directed these, these people to a different game that is like a free to play fishing game on steam. Uh, and then they were able to like play through the entirety of that free-to-play fishing game, which led them to another code that they were able to use as a cipher, which you know led them to the you know ultimate clue, which was like when you have that fishing game open at any point, type in Lionel.exe, and it plays like another little you know vignette thing that is kind of like an additional piece of that um, walk game that you play when you get like developer commentary, and it was a lot of him you know the. Uh, uh, Lionel just talking about his creating uh, that that very first game that was just a knockoff tapper, um, and and uh, essentially apologizing to that character for deleting him because he was so wrapped up in his own ego that he wanted to delete him to make sure that you know people liked him, and talking about how he designed that character as to be like a younger version of his grandfather, and then when his grandfather passed away, he was like really attached to that character for a while. Uh, it, it's I, I don't think it was the narrative payoff that it needed to be for the amount of work that you had to do, because I think it took people like six months or a year to find that. Yeah. Um, but I do think it's like that sort of thing is really cool. And one of the things that the hex does well is creates an atmosphere of you not knowing whether or not you're missing stuff like that, um, which, again, maybe it doesn't all pay off. Maybe it's not all necessarily worth going out to look for. But I felt throughout a lot of the game like there was more going on that I could 
figure out if I engaged with it. And I felt the same way about it after I, you know, finished the game. Like I relaunched it and played a couple of chapters over again to sort of see if there were any differences. Um, And I think creating that tone does a lot for me, even if it doesn't necessarily pay off. And I think that sort of thing is really hard to do. Um, did you did you feel that at all? Is, it, is that a thing that you tend to care about? Or is that a thing that you maybe only care about if it actually like pays off for you? Or, or yeah. where did you land with that? I can definitely see what you're saying by making the... Um, giving it that, that setting and that feeling. The, the thing that happened to me was in Super Weasel Kid... Um, mm. It sounds so funny to start off. Okay, uh, let me start with like, Super Weasel Kid. Uh, there's it's a game. Um, so there is a point where, like, if you jump a particular, like, you know, uh, mm-hmm. uh, on a particular set of clouds, you find this like cat that's floating in the sky. I don't know if you found her. It's yeah, not I that did. hard. Uh, yeah, and then she wants you to go get fifty coins, and then she'll tell you a secret. And the secret is is basically like, hey, d- d- you're you're not part of just one game like you know you will be part of many or something along those lines or like your code will be passed down Um, but then like alludes to there being something greater that they wouldn't tell you about right and then i'm like okay i want to find this cat again and i found her again in one of lazarus's things um because you can, like, shoot something and float. No, I think it was one of Russ's things. But anyways, like, and the thing that she said, if I remember correctly, was basically the same. And it just, it Hmm. didn't build enough for me. It it, it felt like trying to find these secrets that I did find didn't feel like it was enough. Just like, you know, you had said where I I just have to have that payoff be worth it. But I think what they do is enough to make me maybe want to set off on the secrets i just didn't think that i would find anything all that interesting i guess which i mean you know i feel bad that again we've just been saying kind of negative things because it's easier to say that but i think making an atmosphere was successful in this like i think all of the what did work for me because i i i recognize that making an atmosphere this is important and like all of the extra like the twitch stuff and the steam reviews and like the work that they put into to make those look as real as possible Mm -hmm. very very much sold me on that kind of stuff absolutely that stuff was very very cool every time it happened yeah and like you know the the modding stuff had like a quick like dos run through of like okay booting the game but with this extra stuff and i liked all Mm -hmm. that very much um but yeah i i don't know the secret stuff didn't really didn't really do it as much for me but yep that's, that's fair. I mean, learning about the fishing game was cool. Yeah, I I think that's neat. I think it's neat that the you know in order to get this ending, it's in a different video game entirely, right? Like that that's very cool. And um, the developer of that game is uh, Carol, so it's yeah. kind of like it's this cool like okay, she went off and made you know this other game and you know put this little audio clip in there as as sort of a weird revenge or something along those lines. But the man. I would be pretty upset if I spent a lot of time working and then the on that and the ending that I got for that was just I'm sorry if you're real. Yeah, I, <laughs> you that know? is true. I I guess I, I think there's like a little bit of kind of heartfelt emotion there which works to humanize that character a little bit. 
but yeah, I, I would have maybe been a little bit <laughs> gypped if that was the reality of everything that I put in the work for. Yeah. Um, and then like some, you know, glitch looking thing that indicates that maybe Sato is still out there and w- it's whatever. Again, none of that pays off in a way that I found um, interesting enough to uh, spend a lot of time with. But again, I do want to say like, I, I, j- I enjoyed this game. I think the, the narrative thread when they start combining everything and you understand where these game characters came from and how they moved from game to game and like why, their games were all in the states they were, I think, was really interesting. Um, you know, you alluded to the idea that, like, the um, difficulty of dealing with a community when it comes to, like, a competitive game like that and the, the rebalancing of everything and the make this more interesting. Um, I, I think that commentary was really interesting. Uh, and actually, it, it reminded me there's a really good... Um, this is just going to be a plug for a different video. There's a really good Day 9 video out there where he has, like, a 15-minute rant about how, like the feedback from people who are playing a game is just worthless and why and why people are just they don't understand what is good about the feedback that they try to give and uh, go check that out i think that is just like a succinct 15 minute version of what this game was trying to say about uh feedback from communities Uh, but i think that was really interesting i think the um examination of how pressure forces you to change and reevaluate what you're trying to do and like relook at what you're trying to do and how that can kind of catapult and and control everything that you do is is interesting and I think there's maybe a little bit of self-commentary there from the developer in terms of like oh I had this very successful game and now I didn't know what to do from there I, like all of that worked really well for me so I don't want to like I just don't know what to say other than it was good and it worked and I thought it was well done in that respect um, but I do think you know None of the all of those meditations were really interesting, but I wish that we had gotten like maybe an hour more of stuff like that and an hour less of like inane gameplay that didn't really add up to anything in a lot of different parts. Right. So um, Yeah. Basically get rid it. of every part where I have to walk around the inn because none of it means anything. Yeah. Uh, again, it it felt like a, a shotgun blast of things where it's like well, you hit the target on some stuff, and some stuff you kind of missed, and some stuff you got in the middle, and it's not that it doesn't make it average, because it's a shotgun, you know? Like, that's just yeah. how it fires, and that's how this game works, and that's, I feel like the artist, uh, the artist's intent was fully intact, it just wasn't necessarily my cup of tea, so, yeah, yeah I, think I, that's, think... Uh, I think that's a good way to wrap it up, I think, I don't think I have too much. No, I don't have, uh, don't have much more to say about that at all, so... I think that uh, that will pretty much do it. So, yeah, g- go check it out on Steam, The Hex, by Daniel Mullen Games. I think his new game is actually coming out relatively soon, and I'm kind of interested to see what that's all about, too. So, Yeah. Oh, Alex, oh. I think someone's at your door. Oh, let me let me go. Hold on. Let me go check. This is the gaming chalk you ordered. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. I, I paid for it online, right? I don't have to, do I have to tip you? Is that a thing I have to do here? Oh, that's an awkward question. But you, you know could. Here, you could. Uh, here, I don't know how much it was. Here's ten dollars. You keep the change. Oh, wow, we. All right, have a have a good one. Hey, happy Thanksgiving. That that Alex from Thoughts from Player One is so generous. <laughs> ten dollars. Wow. Gaming chalk is very cheap, so that's a huge tip. Yeah, actually, gaming chalk is eighty dollars, so you kind of ship them. <laughs> You kind of shipped them. <laughs> my bad. My bad. Anyway, Duncan, I found this gaming chalk here. Okay. So I think that means we can complete the ritual 
to summon everyone's good friend. What was his name? <laughs> Game and Greg. Game and Gary. We have to Game say Game and Gary. Gary at the same time. All three. All right. Three. Gaming Gary, Gaming Gaming Gary, Gary Gaming, Gaming Gary. Gary. Well, here I am. Was this the voice? I forgot. Gaming Gary, you sound mostly the same, maybe 10 to 15% different, but that's within the margin of error. Well, it's been about an hour and 20 minutes, I reckon it is. <laughs> yep, yeah, that's about right, Gaming Gary. So, I'd like to everyone to, to thank you for participating in gaming gaming thanks thanks gaming thanks thanks gaming that's what, the one it's your holiday what was the other one games gaming? giving games given yeah games given happens today i think <laughs> thanks yeah, gaming. you said the 23rd yeah yeah thanks gaming so i'd like to thank you all for uh, helping me to celebrate thanks gaming my coil has been resummoned again <laughs> and i hope that you do not summon me at home do not figure out what gaming chalk is. I'll be unhappy. I think they may have stopped selling Mountain Dew Code Red in a lot of areas, so you're probably okay. Thank goodness. I'm going to go back to playing League of Legends, Fortnite, World of Warcraft, all at the same time. Wow, that's an impressive feat, Gaming Gary. I hope you succeed at all of those games. Impressive feat? Why, yes, I do use my nope, feet. Nope, game, nope, nope, nope. You want to see my feet? No, Game and Gary, we're fine. You're a gamer and you don't got feet. It's okay. <laughs> I'm the Crontrayer. <laughs> That's him taking a sock off. That's a wrap on Game and Gary, everybody. So, <laughs> hope you enjoyed his um very PG-13 experience. <laughs> 13. Um, you don't know where that was going. All right. Yeah. Thank you so much. If you enjoy Game and Gary and want to summon him for yourself. You can check out the ritual at Thoughts from Player One on Twitter, at Thoughts from P1, that is on Twitter. Uh, we have an email address, that's Thoughts from Player One at gmail.com. We have a Facebook, we have a Discord channel, the link is in the description. We have that Twitch channel that we're streaming on, Dangan Rompa, Trigger Happy Havoc. If you want to check it out with us, we'd love to see you there. Um, we'll give you a, a full shout out, that means so much. Because it's mm-hmm. so valuable from us. You're, if you, hey, if you're interested but you want to know the whole story, you can check it all out on YouTube. We have uh, our first episode up. The second episode will be going up soon. Um, so you can you can follow along from there. And uh, I yeah. love I love We Must Build the Zoo. No, hold on. Game and Gary, get out of here. Game and Gary, you're dead. It's over now. <laughs> Goodbye. I do agree with Game and Gary, though. That was fun. <laughs> You can check out the two episodes we have on there about um, building a zoo. We must build a zoo. Uh, they are absolute bangers. Uh, real good time, for sure. That should be it. Oh, it's been a month since I've done this. All right. Let's see if he's still got it, folks. Without further ado, in the left corner, the unstumpable Michael. God, these guys will believe anything. Michael here with your plant fact of the day. Everyone knows that plants need water to survive, and usually that water is delivered through rain. But did you know that in the Amazon rainforest, plants can make their own rain? During photosynthesis, plants can take in carbon dioxide through their leaves and convert that CO2 into sugars. But in order to take in carbon dioxide, water has to be exchanged and is released into the atmosphere. Due to the sheer density of plant life in the Amazon rainforest, the amount of water released can form dense fog and even rain clouds. In 
defect, this can cause the annual rainy season to begin up to three months earlier than the surrounding landscape. That's your plant fact for the day. Thanks for listening. Tune into the next episode of Thoughts from Player One for more video game discussions and plant facts.